calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. to episode two of Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a weekly podcast where we discuss every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time in thrilling chronological order. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And this week on our second episode, we're going to be talking about season one, episode two, The Harvest. Spooky. Yeah, I was just proud of myself for remembering the name because my copy is from last episode. <laughs> you did a great job. So Okay, uh, so same deal as last episode. We're going to talk about the show for as long as it takes for us to air most of our feelings. Uh And then at the end of this episode, you can hear uh, my weekly recap song uh, recounting the most important events of today's episode. Yeah. We can't wait for that. Me neither. I'd like to say for the record that I've been um, asked to be an official part of the songwriting process. So like, you know, down the line. Our song. Yeah. I'm just like, you know, down the line when you're like rolling in all that sweet cash. Yeah. I see. I see a, a hefty revenue stream opening up. You joke, but I guess one never knows. But let it be known here now and forever and always. You are the Kathleen Brennan to my Tom Waits. Oh, that's so nice. All of my decent ideas are made much, much better by your contributions and careful editing and thoughtful suggestions. Thank you. And you are welcome. Well, we're not here to talk about our creative <laughs> collaboration. Oh, well, I guess we kind of are. I guess this is. We're here to talk about vampires. Okay, 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 okay. Vampires. Vampires. Yes. I have, I, as usual, I have a lot to say. About I'm so excited this episode, but I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to you to start because I feel like you took some notes. I took some notes too. We take notes; it's what we do. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking way less notes than I did the very first time we watched, and you're probably taking more notes than well, the first time. I think time I we stayed about consistent, but yeah, Jenny, what did you take? Seventeen pages of notes on the first. Listen, it's not important. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> We've learned our ways. We're already season one, episode two. Yeah. Deep into the thick of things here. Deep into the thick. So what did you think? What did you think of The Harvest? Um, Man, it really made me remember that season two or that season one is season one, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> my, <laughs> my first note was, hmm, Buffy sure does learn how to run and kick better as the series goes on. Yeah, that was one of my notes, too. Running through the graveyard right at the opening of the episode, she looks... She hasn't figured it out yet. Yeah. She it's a new graveyard. New graveyard. She is wearing complicated shoes. Yeah, maybe wedges, that's part of probably. It. Wedges or he- like chunky heels, maybe. Ch- I think uh, we see them later in the episode. A chunky heel is a wedge. Is that the no, same thing? No, because a chunky heel is like a thick... Heel, heel. but there's still separation between the heel and the 
Does it have to be together? I'm not a shoe doctor, but I feel like a wedge is a shoe that has a one complete piece. All right. Well, we have our first question for our listeners. Yeah. If you have any feedback, if you have any, we would like to know if doctors, if a wedge has to be not a separate chunky heel or if a wedge can be its own heel. Right. Yes. Great. That's today's first big mystery. First big, first big question. But yeah, um, you know, Buffy's learning her way uh, as is Sarah Michelle Geller about like running Ooh, and, and like holding her fists and looking like she knows what she's doing right. while she does that. Um, yeah, it's a lot. Although points for breaking off that pine branch. Mm-hmm. Uh, improvisation. Yeah. Resourcefulness. She's very resourceful. Super effective. Or resourceful, as my wife says. I... <laughs> You do. You say resourceful, not resourceful. Is that wrong? No. They're both right, right? Yes. We're agree both right. to agree. Um, I, not intentionally, but there were some gay notes that I took Ooh, this time. Gay ones. My next note is a gay note um, because the first um, time that we see Jesse mm. is down in the wherever you call that thing. What do you call that thing where they are? In the crypt? In the Hellmouth? Uh, <laughs> what could you be more specific where they are down underneath the ground oh it, like when they go through the crypt the mausoleum to get to the place where the master is is that the oh right yeah what is we don't really know like it's I don't the entrance it's named, to the hell mouth or something uh well i think i think at this point a hell mouth is not open like the hell mouth is sort of like the whole town oh, okay right okay. and he uh the master was trying to open the hell mouth right and he got trapped because he like did a spell wrong do you something. know what looks the most like a hell mouse to me so far what his mouth <laughs> it is a hell i mouth. can't wait i don't know what happens with the master if he's gone if he comes i can't stand to look at his mouth that grape juice mouth oh god it's horrible it's but so- what i wanted to talk about was um and this is now I, that I've seen the whole episode it's the first of many moments uh of gay luke but Luke so sensually grabs Jesse's neck. It's just so sensual. And I thought, oh, he, well, first I thought he's a gay vampire. And then I thought maybe vampires are all bisexual. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you'd know better than me because I think you've read a little bit more Anne Rice than me. But I feel like in her mythology, uh, feeding sort of takes the place of of sex, sexual activity. I actually don't remember that coming from Anne Rice, but I did read a lot of Anne Rice as a kid, so maybe I absorbed that, you know. Yeah, but yeah. I definitely, I mean, definitely feeding is sexual and they feed off of whomever. Yeah, and, like, just flashing forward because, like, whoever the pairing is uh, for this episode's sexual attention award, one half, one end of it is going to be Luke. And it's either Luke and Jesse or Luke and the master because yikes when it's vessel time yeah yeah i have notes on that oh did you did you write down their dot well okay i did i did i did write down their dialogue but i'm going to just like uh before we get to actually sorting the evidence of Mm. who has the most sexual tension i am awarding it to luke and jesse because i refuse to have to think (laughs) more about the master. About the rest of it. Yeah, I can't. His mouth is just, it's just so, I can't. I can't. It's, it's, there's very few things that have upset me more than looking yeah. at his mouth. It is a bummer. Um, Sarah Michelle Gellar looking especially 12 years old. Yeah. As you pointed out in this episode. Cherubic. Woo. Cherubic. Um, there's a moment, so not to jump around too much, because we will get back to the gay stuff. I have more gay questions, but... Um, wait, is every episode of the show going to be you finding the gay? I mean, I didn't do it on purpose. It found you. Yes. Okay. So no, like I'm not going to intentionally find the gay, but like based on my career choices to date, I will likely see more gay Mm. than the average Joe. Um, (laughs) but what I wanted to say is this is not a gay thing, but after we come out of um, the scene with Luke where they're like, uh, the scene with Jesse and Luke where they're like, you're a bait. Well, then we come back to the library, which was a nice cut editor. You did a great job with that cut. I thought it was really solid. Um, but like Willow is at a computer in the library. And 
first Buffy was leaning over her so closely (laughs) and I was like this is really awkward maybe I'll make a note of it and then I didn't and then like Two seconds later, Giles is leaning over her. So um, I'm going to, like, on our socials, Mm. I'm putting this up. Like, I'm putting this side by side. (laughs) You're going to make a gift set? I'm going to make a gift set of Willow just being, like, really too close to everyone and not seeming (laughs) to mind. It's like, I feel like because computers were new, like, Mm. directors didn't know how to stage, like, two people looking at a computer. Right, right, right. (laughs) So, And also they thought maybe everybody's focus would be on the computer and not on, like, the lack of respect for personal space. Yeah, but you can't even see in the shots, you can't even see the computer. Mm. It's just I'm excited about the gifts. Is all I'm gonna say. <laughs> That's really me too. Something. Um, I feel like there are like a lot of important sort of uh, touchstone precedents uh, getting set mm-hmm. in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like um, we see a very meaningful look pass between Giles and Buffy when he's like, "Do I need you?" do I need to tell you to be careful? And she like just looks at him. Yeah. And then she leaves. And I feel like we're about to see that look about 7,000 more times. Also, I feel like uh, there's this amazing, very fast zoom in on Giles. He's just surrounded by books. Uh And then, and he looks up. Uh, And I, yeah, 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 yeah. And he did a lot of like, taking his glasses off, putting his glasses back on, mm-hmm. you know, like following his sort of like thought patterns. So- there were there were a few very dramatic like <laughs> moments like that with both um, Giles and the master. The master oh, has a really boy. good dramatic moment that I didn't write down what he says when he turns around, but it's like the music swells, <laughs> the camera zooms in, he turns around, he delivers one line. He says a slayer. Oh, great. <laughs> great. Which is hilarious because his last line in the previous scene that was in the vampire cave Mm -hmm. that's what i'm calling it Mm -hmm. uh was a slayer (laughs) and then they come back to the cave oh i wonder how many times he says the slayer in total maybe we could do a mashup of that yeah yeah, can you tell i'm social media minded yeah you are great great content content at the bit another thing that i feel like really starts to take shape in this episode that we're gonna see a lot more of is xander being the fucking worst oh my god i did not mind i like enjoyed xander watching Mm -hmm. the show when i was younger but like oh my god has there ever been a more clear embodiment of a dude just being like oh things aren't just the way i want them oh i'm gonna kick a filing cabinet okay well no i think no No, i'm not on board i'm always on board to be like women rule men drool but um also if you can't tell i'm really good at insults that was good um but i don't i mean yes xander is like buffy couldn't possibly do this on her own i will help and like but i'm so angry can't be told can't be told anything but it is but uh, but it's cut with something like it's not just that it's not like I didn't. It didn't make me angry. I didn't feel angry about Xander, and it's very easy for men to make me angry. So I feel like maybe I'm just. I've got. I think you're on fire today. You've been a little bit. It's been a weird couple of days. You're, 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 yeah, I'm on high been, alert. Yeah, so high I think, alert. Because I think that the bigger thing that reads to me with Xander is that he just is like puppy dog eyes for Buffy, and like it feels. On this episode, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. I will get all into it if it doesn't feel like this to me. But this episode very much felt to me that Xander was like, I, but I love her. You know, mm. like, what if something happens? Like, it didn't feel very, like, mansplainy to me. Okay. I mean, I will get there with you. Yeah, yeah. But Plenty I, of time with Xander. Yeah. Um, Sorry for... Getting ahead of myself. No, no. I think it's a good conversation to have. And um, you were talking about, like, important things that happen in this episode. My next note is, in all caps, remember when Angel said his name, dark and mysterious, man revealed. That's what I wrote. That's what I wrote. (laughs) Well said. God, I just love that. My favorite thing about season one might be that we see Angel in a way that, like, we don't ever see him really again. He's, like, dark and sarcastic and like mysterious and like 
there are like 17 things happening on his face at one time. And I don't even think he's doing it on purpose. David Boreanaz, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's just like there's like brooding and like care and disbelief and disassociation and like everything all at once. And you think that goes away? I mean, not no spoilers, but I don't know. I I mean, maybe it changes, but I feel like Angel to me is always those things. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe he's just peak hot. Um, I mean, yeah. Also, not to take us off track from peak hot Angel, but I feel like every single time I watch an episode of early on Buffy, I feel as though they um, were they're all of their wardrobe is from the limited two. Like <laughs> just every piece of it is. I mean, no, it's, it's just me conflating my memory of the time with the limited two. But like, you know what I mean? I Except mean, for Buffy's leather jacket. Oh, my good God. Get, please, someone give me that leather Which jacket. Which is, go, you please do it so that I can wear it. The you know? most beautiful thing. I, it might be the best piece of clothing that ever appears on mm-hmm. the show, that leather jacket. For, sh- for sure. I and think it might be, too. Will we ever see it again in a subsequent episode? I don't know, because I've never really seen the first season mm. start to finish, and I don't remember being obsessed with any leather jacket. So maybe it's, <laughs> maybe something happens to it. I don't know. But oh, my next note is about Luke being gay again. Oh, please this go time on. with the master. Um, I wrote down Luke says, My blood is your blood, my soul is your soul. And the master says, My body is your instrument. Uh I just want to no. Yeah. Your wait. Uh the the master says, My blood is your blood. Oh, I reversed it. Yeah, yeah. And Luke says, my body body is is your your instrument. instrument. Get a room. My body is your instrument. Get a cave. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Um, And then I wrote, Luke is the gayest blood-sucking beefcake. That was my (laughs) complete He really is. Like, I don't think we've seen how jacked he is until, uh, you know, he takes his jacket off. Uh, is that when he's doing the he's, blood and he's thing like with wearing the master this, or later? I don't like the bronze. Uh, wait, the when he's wearing the tank, does he get all the way down to a tank top? I don't know. Maybe I, I just maybe I got t-shirt. ahead of myself. But his muscles are so huge that you're like, what even is a t-shirt? But in the I think in that scene, or maybe it's at the bronze, he's wearing like a chain necklace that's really tight around his <laughs> neck, which I spent a lot of time in gay bars in the 90s mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and the early 2000s. And I just want to say, like, I feel like they knew what they were doing in this episode with his mm. wardrobe because they saw a lot of that. Oh. Um, not from the limited two. No, no. I mean, maybe it was from the limited two for small girls, and he was just wearing it around his beefcake neck. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that that is a deliberate scene. It's like I wasn't sure with Jesse, but it was pretty deliberate with um with the master. I feel like the dialogue was written specifically. Okay, Romantica. Yeah. Um, my body is your instrument. <laughs> Not to hop and skip all around, but how about that sick burn when Buffy's like, do you even know what it's like to have a friend to Angel? And he's like, (laughs) pregnant silence. His whole face just crumbles. It's so sad. (laughs) It's like, I feel like even though I know it's just a TV show and they're acting, like part of me feels like, (laughs) like the acting stopped in that moment and everybody was like, oh no. Does he have, do you have, David Boreanaz, do you have friends? It was really, it really, it was very believable. Yeah, yeah. I'm very sweet. I'm very sad. I'm very sexy. Also, how shiny were her pants? Oh my God. How shiny were the pants that she chose to wear? Limited too. Limited. Vampire underground. Yeah, limited too. They were very shiny. They took me by surprise. We must have only seen her from the waist up for the for the first yeah. half of the episode. I also love how when the rat runs over her foot, she doesn't yeah, move. Yeah, I like, like that a lot. Mm-hmm. 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 There's a rat on my foot. Yeah, that was pretty solid. Do you think it was because when they shot the rat running over somebody else's shoes, the person whose shoes it was forgot to move their foot, and they were like, well. And then the rat got away? Well, no. they Yeah, they were just like, well, oh, we, we only have this one take, so. <laughs> Maybe. Um, also, how about, I feel like it's worth noting that we see, after stupid Xander, 
stupid follows Buffy. Well, is it the stupid tunnel? Hate. I, yeah, I don't know what my problem is. I'm sorry. I'm I. This isn't me. <laughs> After Xander follows Buffy, uh, and brings no tools of use and no skills to the table. And they're just walking down this long corridor forever. And I don't think we ever see anything like that ever again in the show. Like, just like with him skateboarding uh, up to the entrance of the mm. school, I feel like there's so much that happens in the two part, like the Hellmouth, Welcome to the Hellmouth and The Harvest. That's the people making the show figuring out, like, how to make this show, mm-hmm. you know? So we, like, see them walking forever in the tunnel and... Buffy's dutifully like looking at like the pipes running down the tunnel and like <laughs> touching things while Xander goes on about how he didn't bring anything with him. Right. Uh, Which just to, um, we'll, we'll, I won't derail you too much here, but like I think that is part of the reason why I didn't feel like it was very like Xander saying like I can do things. Like Xander was very like, I brought this flashlight. Like he definitely did not have any like sort of ideas that he was going to actually help. No, no. I think, I mean, between him being into Buffy and him, like, being worried about his friend. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This is, like, the only time you will ever hear me talk somebody else out of thinking. <laughs> I don't know what's gotten into me. No, I think I, I, think I am in need of your counsel in this yeah. moment. Um, but um, I didn't mean to derail you. They were walking down. Oh, Buffy no, was touching all the pipes. No, I was done. It was. It's just like this this shot that goes on forever. That's like not very compelling. And I feel like it's something that was like conceptualized before they knew what it would look like. They planned for it. They did it. And then it was like, oh, this isn't like right. as exciting. And a, a lot of their movement through the corridors once they like find Jesse, and then they like you know, are running from the vampires. It's a lot of, it just sort of feels like where, mm-hmm. this doesn't feel real. It just kind of feels like put together and they're not like running once they find Jesse. They're just walking kind of slow. Right, You right. know, and then they, they get into that room, before they get into that room, one of the last like moments where they see a vampire like leering at them from around a corner, it's this bananas looking like Pennywise style, like wa- wild, like ha- like cl- almost clown, clownish looking. Yeah, uh, yeah, which is like the master is very clownish, I think. Oh, maybe that's, yeah, I wonder if that was like. They're all a little bit more clownish than they wind up. Yeah, they definitely, I mean, the look of the vampires definitely evolves over the seasons and especially like Joss talks a lot in the director's commentary um, about how they like, did all of the vampires in Vamp Face for these episodes. Which is like like powdery almost. Like they're lighter. Their skin is lighter than the rest of their bodies, a lot of them, right? And they have like ridge, like their their features oh, are dramatic. Yeah. You know, they have like the forehead ridges and, and their I think their cheekbones sometimes are like a little accentuated. Uh, but he talks about how they did that because they wanted it to like look cool and vampy. And then it like took... So long every time mm. they needed to do a scene with anybody in vamp face that they were like, let's just have the vampires be in human face unless there's like a really good reason right. for them to be in vamp face right, in a given right, scene. Right. Oh yeah, that's true. I guess there is a lot more vamp face than than we see than we see later on. Mm-hmm. I didn't really make that connection. Um, I would like to take a moment uh, to say that I believe that this episode is the first time that we meet. Uh, do we even learn her name? Oh, Harmony? Harmony, yeah. I can't remember if she was in the first episode or not. Because she's definitely a Cordelia, Cordelia crony from like... Yeah, maybe I just didn't get excited the first time. I don't know why, because I love maybe. Harmony. I love Harmony. Yeah, you probably would have gotten excited. Okay. Probably. Not that I don't, yeah, I don't remember. I listened back to episode it, one. Uh, so. Just, so, uh, just so you all know, listening to this... Um, We'll be doing these episodes closer together than the first and the second because there, <laughs> yeah. there has been we we did the first episode and then I think a month at least passed significantly more than a month significantly more than a month passed. We okay. don't need to talk about how long it was, but there was a lot of travel, a lot of sorting stuff out. But yeah. now we are back on track, back on track. But that's why I think we typically can't I would remember about. if uh, yeah. if I saw Harmony, you know, last week, but. It's been a few months, so I don't remember anymore. But very exciting to see Harmony in. Gosh, I just love her. 
Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say shout out to my friend and yours, Stephen Smith, as the <laughs> like skate skater looking stoner dude who like pops out from behind the corner to be like, Yeah, really? Why? Do you want to talk about why you know that person? Because I don't know that that you Oh know. yeah, was Steven uh has done a lot of things. Um, he was the host of Steven's Untitled Rock Show. Uh, and more recently, he created a podcast that our friend Jonah co-hosts called Going Off Track, which is a really great podcast. And that is how we know Steven. And that's where he got his start, right? I, th- I mean, I think that, that and I think California Dreams. Oh. That, that show about the band. Kind of. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, 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 I don't yeah. think I watched it, but I do remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said to Jenny while we were watching this episode that I would pay good money mm. to be able to watch the um the episodes with the original commercials. I would just like love to know. We can have a whole separate podcast of talking about the commercials between episodes of Buffy. Ooh. Right? Yeah, that would be so good. If you could ever find it. Like that would be very hard I to mean, find. I mean, there's definitely people in this world who VHS taped every episode of the show as it happened. And they, you think they would send us? I don't think they're going to send us anything. Digital file. And if they, yeah, if they sent us the VHS tapes, what would we do with them? We would get a VCR immediately. I can't believe we don't have one. I had one forever. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday. So make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Um, but, oh, so I want to talk about something which we haven't really, like, met Harmony too much yet. But something, a note that I took right after Harmony with lots of whys because I got excited is um, Cordelia. I just, you know... Cordelia has my heart. If you need to know, it's Cordelia. Mm-hmm. I just, she really gets me. Um, She's so mean. She is. and but, but it made me start thinking about the trope of, like, the mean girl, you know? Like, in Mean Girls, for example, the, like, head, head bitch. I'm just going to call her that. I don't know if you, Jenny, Jenny <laughs> dropped her belongings when I said bitch. <laughs> She's very offended. How dare you? But, like, that, that idea of this, like, um bossy mean girl which cordelia is like that like she's very much written as that trope right like Mm. that she loves to shop and she just loves to gossip and she loves to this and that and so i was thinking about it as we were watching the episode because she's also incredibly strong and outspoken and you know just thinking from like a feminist standpoint about cordelia and just the trope overall of the mean girl it's like yeah the mean girl like does things that are crappy and usually to other women which is like you know part of the big problem mm-hmm. but at the same time they're like very um i don't know i feel like they really push back against the, a lot of what a woman is supposed to be. You know, the typical woman, air quotes, air quotes, is supposed to get, like, flustered around cute boys and, like, whatever. And for the most part, Cordelia is just, like, you know, putting them out like cigarette butts underneath her feet. <laughs> like, she is um, unapologetic. And and there's a lot, like, upsetting about some of the unapologetic stuff that she does, but I think that it's really hard to be a woman and be unapologetic And, um, Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, growing up, I always thought about the mean girl as the mean girl. Like that was it. It was just like very simple. Like you were a mean girl and you were bad or you were not a mean girl and you weren't bad. And thinking about Cordelia today and watching her move around, I was like, it's so much more complicated than that. Right. Mm hmm. So that's my feminist rant for today. That was very good. What do you think? I'm on board with what you're talking about. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm excited to watch Cordelia uh, broaden a little bit because mm-hmm. um, I feel like you have the benefit of knowing kind of like where she goes to. Like, I feel like, you know, like she's pretty two dimensional at this point. Yeah, she is. But I think even if I didn't, I'm, I'm, I'm really not like. Even going, I mean, obviously I can't unknow what I know about Cordelia, but like, I'm just going off the the very basic 
trope of the mean girl. And I'm like thinking a lot about mean girls, you know, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of troubling stuff and a lot to pull apart, but it isn't just this like black and white thing of this girl is a horrible bitch. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. but also let's think about the fact that she is like speaking very loudly and she's unapologetic and she's doing what she wants. And like, you know, so I, I don't think it has as much to do with like the three dimensionality of future Cordelia as it does with me just being like, huh, you know, this is not like the trope of the mean girl. There's a lot there. I'm sure that lots of people have done their dissertations on this. I'm certainly <laughs> not the first to talk about it, but Cordelia. If you wrote your dissertation. Yeah, please send it in. the trope of the mean girl. We'll do an episode just reading your dissertation word for word. Probably take a lot longer than yeah talking will. about the episode. Um. So yeah, I that's that's my Cordelia rant for today. My feminist rant. That was really good. Thank you. I have a rant. Yes. What is your rant? Does anyone ever go to the library at Sunnydale High School? No. Has anyone ever walked into that library for any reason other than to talk to Giles about vampire slaying? No. Just tumbleweeds. And the Slayer Gang. I mean, I don't remember my high school library being a very populated place. Was yours? Yeah. I mean, like, people were in it. More than zero were in it. I'll give you that. More than zero, so. But I feel like when I went to the library in high school, it was very rarely the school library. It was often the town library. Um, I don't remember being, like, I really don't remember doing much in my high school library. I don't remember what it looks like. Really? I don't even remember what, and I love, li- I'm not like, yeah. I love libraries, I love books, but um, yeah, I don't remember spending time inside of my high, I think I didn't spend, I, I did theater, so anytime that I was somewhere that wasn't in a class that I had to be in, I was in the theater or uh, like the, the chorus, you know, rooms or something like that. But other than that, if I didn't have to be in school, I wasn't in school, you know? Huh. I don't know. It's just the library wasn't the thing. Oh, you so- had an open campus? Like, if you didn't have a class, if you had study hall, you could leave? No, I just mean, like, well, I guess, yeah, I guess that's true. I guess there were, like, free periods where you could go to the library. Were there? I don't know. I don't know. I don't have good memories. Here's a question. Yeah. If Sunnydale High has a closed campus, why was the gate open? Not that it matters. Because Buffy can jump 12 feet straight up in the air. I don't think that um, closed campuses lock students in as a general. I didn't didn't have an open campus. No, no. I mean, I'm. Oh, you were just making a joke. Sorry. Your audience of one did did a bad job of laughing at you. My me of one did a bad job of indicating (laughs) that it was a joke. Also, was that the the principal? Yeah, that's Principal Flutie. I couldn't remember. If that was him, he seemed so much more annoying in the second episode than he did in the first. I was annoyed by him in the first, but yeah, not, yeah. Uh, not quite. That was, he really nailed that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt very uncomfortable. Yeah, I really don't um, care for Principal Flutie. I was really nervous about Buffy leaving her um, belong, her slayer belongings just out in the middle of the room for Joyce to find. Oh, her trunk? Her oh, trunk. her trunk full of communion wafers? Oh, yeah. Where is he? Huge <laughs> container of communion wafers, which, to the best of my vampiric knowledge, have absolutely no use Yo, to a vampire slayer. What do you slayer. think that's all about? I think a prop person was like, hmm, well, we're getting this holy water. <laughs> what else goes in here? Also, like seven heads of garlic, bulbs of garlic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no way that those are staying good. Well, they are in a dark, cool place. Yeah, but like even in a dark, cool place, what's the shelf life or well, but trunk life of garlic? You bring up a good question, which is does rotten garlic still deter vampires? Amazing question. Does it have to be fresh? I feel like it's got to be fresh. You think? All right. Well, we'll have to find a vampire. Couple vampires and test this out. Yes. Um, but yeah, she just like Joyce comes in. I missed a lot of the scene staring at her leather jacket. I'm not going to lie. Oh, the jacket. But Joyce comes in and she's like, don't do it again, Buffy. Behave. Stop ruining the town and burning (laughs) everything down. All the tapes say I have to get used to (laughs) saying no. For those of you who are, um, you know, millennials, a tape. (laughs) They all know. Millennials all know what tapes are. Oh, right, right. Tapes are hip again. Right, right, right. Okay. 
Um, but yeah, she comes in. She's like, you can suck up here or you can join me for dinner. And then she goes down and Buffy is just like 100% convinced that Joyce is never going to come back again. She takes all the stuff out of the trunk, leaves it in the middle of the room without even putting her decoy on back on top yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to get that decoy back on top. Like, mom's going to find out that you're busy slaying vamps. She clearly wants to be caught. Yeah. It's like a cry for help. It is. It is. At some point, we should have a psychologist on this podcast. To help psychoanalyze Buffy Summers. That would be good. Um, I feel like there was something else I was going to say. I have other things to say, but there was like a thing connected to that that I can't remember anymore. Um, but I do want to talk about when we get to the bronze um, and the vampires walk in. Because I wrote <laughs> on my, I was, I thought I was so smart. I thought I was so smart. And I wrote down, shout out to the vampires for their lighting designer. I thought I was so funny. <laughs> oh, because, because Luke and his gang enter the bronze. Somebody throws the light switch. So like most of the lights are off. And then Luke ascends to the stage and bam, right. a spotlight shows up on his So face. I just thought it was like silly television. And... No, then didn't I have to eat my words when Buffy comes in and there is a vampire doing the just lighting. holding the spotlight. What a brilliant, it's just, it's really, it was really nice for me to live through that moment of being like, oh boy, I'm going to make a joke about the lighting. And Joss was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, you got gotcha. the full yeah. narrative arc there for yeah. yourself. Yeah, it was really um, nice. So that was Something that I was excited about. And then on a more serious note, um, I, I I wrote down people die in this episode, which is important. And what I mean by that note is that um, I just feel like I don't, you know, we saw the first episode and um, people die. I mean, the, the first episode opens with, um, you know, Darla, though, do we know her name still? I don't know. I've called her Darla now, so now you know her I name. I believe the master has called her Darla at this point. Okay, so we see, you know, the, the opening scene is Darla with, like, random boy. But mm -hmm. other than that, nobody else dies in the first episode, right? Mm, not that I can recall, although there were those local boys showing up in the newspaper that Giles had the right, okay. presence right, of mind to right. circle in Red Sharpie. But like, you know, as coming into this show, you're watching this show for the first time, like, you know, put yourself back to that place. You don't yet know if this is going to be um, the kind of show, which I think there are a lot of, where there's like danger, but it's always, the heroes always save everyone, you know? Right, 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 right. And, and this is not that. This is not that. And what was the network that this was on first? Mm, was it the WB? WB first, I think. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm sort of like speaking from my experience as a person who's watched some TV, so it's really not thorough. But I feel like the WB had a lot of shows that were kind of like that, right? Where like the hero saves everything. And in this episode, you, you know, Buffy gets to the, by the time Buffy gets to the bronze, two people have died already. Yeah, at least two people. Isn't there like a montage where... Luke is feeding on someone, and then we it flashes to the master. It's the same he, girl, I thought, the no, whole time. No, I don't think so. No? I think it's like a bunch of different, which raises the question, where are the bodies? Why isn't there like a pile of bodies when Buffy gets I there? I don't He's think it was, I don't think it was many people. Mm. I don't think it was. Why? I It was, because it looked just like, um, who's the girl who plays Chasing Amy? Joey Lauren Adams? Yeah, it looked the girl looked like her, and I thought it was her the whole time. Really? I thought it was the guard, the guard, the bouncer, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and then I thought one girl. I didn't get the impression that tons of people had died. That's the impression that I got from like cutting back and forth to the master being like stronger, give me more. <laughs> Which, by the way, oh god. And also, like, is it Rough. even proven that Slayer's blood will help him more than? They didn't seem to Did know say that, that factually. Yeah, because he says something like, Luke, I think, says something like, right when he goes to like bite Buffy's neck, he's like, one taste of this and the master will be free or well, something. Well, but the master has been saying, I'm almost free. I don't know if Luke, as the vessel, can hear the master's voice inside of his head. God, it's so sexual. It's just it's they are like... It's Truly. so, you're like, he's, he just keeps saying, I'm so close. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Like, but uh, Slayer's Blood does have 
something that regular blood doesn't have. Fine, maybe it does, but do you think that Luke actually knows? Like, I just feel like Luke's making shit up as he goes along. I don't know. You think he's a well-read vamp? Well, I think maybe the mas- the master's he been around for a long. Sl- like he wasn't even sure it was a slayer. He didn't even know, and okay. now he knows. You know, I just I don't know. Also, you just reminded me of something that happens right when. I guess it's right when she walks into the bronze. She picks up a pool cue. Is that earlier? Is that a different? Does she kill many? All I know is there's a scene after she leaps down from the catwalk where she- the guy's doing the lighting. She grabs the pool cue. Yes, she grabs the pool cue. She stabs a vampire, which we we never see that vampire, but the pool cue just floats around on the screen, and I was like, the, I thought they're supposed to turn to dust. Well, it takes a second for them to turn to it dust. Was too, it was a little too long. Maybe a little too long. Well, they didn't want to do the dust effects on that vampire because they were saving their budget but for- But Jenny, Luke. all they had to do was make the pool cue drop to the ground. I I know that, but I, <laughs> I just think they're learning. I know, no, I know. I'm not- but- I want to hop back to what you were just talking about before because I think it's really important. Um, I mean, I know that it was intentional for, uh, because Eric Balfour is like in the credits, I think. Who's Eric Balfour? Uh, The guy who plays Jesse. Oh, you know his name? His actor name? Yeah. Good Lord. Um, Well, he was on Six Feet Under and stuff. Oh, okay. I also, for some reason, from watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I got it into my head that his name was the name of the guy who plays the master. Um, for a long time, and then when I like realized my mistake, it like burned into my brain that that was Eric Balfour. Anyway, they make it seem very much like he's part of the core group. Yeah, although they don't successfully like endear him to us the way that I'm sure they would have liked to before killing him off in episode two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it feels intentional. It feels like a world where. Your friends can die. Not just people die, right. but your friends can die. The people close to you can die, and you might not be able to do anything about it. Right, right. Which I feel like is an important distinction. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, right. And, like, I mean, just in general, the fact that people can die was a big enough thing to me. But, yeah, characters with names can die, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. especially when they're vampires. <laughs> right. It does uh, kind of yeah, mess it, up your odds. It leans it leans a little more heavily to the vampires we know than it does to the humans For now. we know. I mean, whatever. I don't want to get too into that. Right. I want I want the new watchers to um to have a nice journey. Gosh, if you're a new watcher, how I envy you. What a journey you have to go on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what it's, a journey. Woo, just, just keep sticking it out throughout season one here. Yeah, you got to hang on with us through season one. It is, it's a little uh, up and down, but man, is it worth it. How about that like end of a 90s teen movie with the zippy guitar song happening in the background where all the kids are mm-hmm. chirping and Giles is so excited to be living on the mouth of hell. And then he's all like, the world is doomed. And... Yeah, and then credits. Wow. Yep. Yep. It's also a very horror movie as well. I think I talked about that a little bit in the first episode of the podcast. But that like bright and sunny ending to Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a thing that you know there's more danger lurking around the corner is lurking, lurking around the corner is is so um, classic horror. I think. Um. Oh right, I skipped over. I skipped over uh, some notes that I had that are just three lines. One says, we learn it's the Hellmouth. The second one is earthquake. And the third is end of the world. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Classic uh, trifecta of Uh Buffy uh notes. But um, yeah, we learn in this episode about the Hellmouth, about the fact that the town is on on a Hellmouth. Um, Although in episode one, Angel does tell her that. They're on the mouth of hell. Right. But it's like but more, in a mysterious, we learned the library way. this time, you know? Right, right, And right, like right. Willow's doing all her research and they're like, blah, blah, earthquake. And like all these people died and, you know, mm-hmm, chaos. Mm-hmm. Go, you have something to say. I can tell by the look of fire in your eyes. <laughs> I was just like uh, glancing through my notes and realizing I didn't mention this. Earlier in the show, when when uh, Giles is talking about how vampires were created, that they're like um, sort of a muddling of blood between a pure demon yeah. and humans, and then they're they're the muggles. first vampire. They're muddles. <laughs> muggles. Oh, I thought you were saying muddles 
like muggles. Oh, yeah. I, oh, boy. Woo! It's Muddle hard muggle. to keep up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first vampire made more vampires and, like, you know, they just keep making more and more of their kind. And they're waiting for he- the animals to die out, humans, so mm-hmm. that, the, that the old ones, pure demons, can come back. Right. Question, when that uh, vision of paradise for vampires occurs, what do they then eat for the rest of time? A great question. What happens if a vampire Maybe doesn't... Maybe the other animals. Get... Mm. Also, like, in this argument is the argument that, like, not to take too hard a corner here, but... In that mythology, isn't it like the vampires were here first and all they want is to... No, the vampires weren't here first because they were made of human and demon blood oh, together. Oh, human and demon, right, right, right. So that chicken and the egg scenario is like pretty... Great, great, good, because I didn't want to get into that conversation <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody does. Um, Yeah, yeah, I don't know what they would feed off of. Probably the... Maybe they would just keep some humans around to procreate. Sick. You know, it would be like, like in an aquarium. Yeah. Yeah. Or like a like fast food, you know, except for Oh boy. Babies, people yeah. instead of I mean the conditions are gonna go way down. There's gonna be uh growth hormones being right. implemented. Oh man. It's gonna get super we should industrial. Let them know. We should let them know yeah, that yeah. free free range humans are much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, happy meat is tasty. Happy blood is tasty. Blood. Yeah. And I, I loved, I mean, my note out of end of the world was just like a general one, but I do, I do really love the moment between, and we really are skipping back and forth, but I really love the moment between Joyce and Buffy uh. where she's like, it's always the end of the world for every 16 year old. You, you know? don't even know Joyce. Right. But it's such a nice, like, cause right. Cause in this one instance, you, it is the end of the world. But also, like, tiny shout out to the fact that, like, chill out, mom. Maybe there are problems that I have that are a big deal that you might not know about. And stop belittling me just because you're old. Parents just don't understand. They just don't. They just don't. You know, Joyce doesn't get it. And even if Buffy wasn't a vampire slayer, maybe she would have something serious on her mind and maybe it would matter to her. Yeah. And maybe Joyce should take that seriously. Maybe she should. That's all I'm saying. We should let her know. Joyce! Yes. Is there anything else we need to say about this episode? Are you out of notes? I'm out of notes. Um, shout out to Harmony. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cordelia, love you forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Willow, nice move with that deliver Ooh, button. Ooh, yes indeed. That was nice. It was nice, a little moment for Willow to be like, Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of good burns in this episode. Yeah, seriously. And and um, a lot of good uh, outfits. I noticed that Xander was wearing a shirt that I would typically expect to see on Willow. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? What did it look like? It was like a, a polyester button down oh. that had green mushrooms on it. I think <laughs> they were mushrooms. And he was wearing it mostly buttoned over a long sleeve white t-shirt. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God, yeah, the yeah. 1990s. I'm telling you, the limited too. They... They really got their mileage off of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I think. Yeah, yeah, they sold. That show sold a lot of clothes for them. Absolutely. Delia's. Ah, uh, core Delia's. Cor- oh, my God. <laughs> she just looks so confused. Is that the connection? I mean, I was just making it work. But, like, joke. what if? But what if that's where it came from? Maybe. We should find out. We'll do some research. But yeah, that's all I've got for this episode. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to continue forward. This was our this was our like setting the setting the tone, right? Because this is the pilot really was the two episodes together. Yeah, 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 yeah. So now we've set the tone. We've picked up some of our core crew um on both sides of the line. Yeah, yeah. Ready to roll. And we're ready to we're ready to move. For sure. So next week's episode will be which? Witch. Uh, witch, 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 witch. But until then, you can follow us on Twitter at BufferingCast, or you can email us at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. I'm Kristen Russo. Sidebar, I think I am a witch, so I'm really <laughs> excited about the next episode. Wow. I mean, I do. You know it. It's know, true. I'm serious. And you can find me on Twitter at Kristen Nolene. It's hard. K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. It's my middle name. I can't help it. Or just at everyone is gay. 
And I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and you can find me under that name on most social platforms, Twitter and whatnot. Um, Until next week. How? Oh, that was beautiful. Hey, just a quick note on today's song. For all two-parter episodes connected by a to-be-continued, we'll be writing two-parter songs. So today's song is a continuation of last week's song, and as such, will sound harmonically familiar, but lyrically brand new. Woo! Here we go. Well, it seems to be quite nigh But first the master has to finish gouging out this minion's eye Turns out Willow sure can hack Xander likes to tag along Joss takes off his glasses and then he puts them right back on Whoa, oh, 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 welcome to the Hellmouth It's harvest time, welcome to the Hellmouth I can jump really high, welcome to the Hellmouth One girl in all the whatever Jesse's super dead, the vampires made him one of them And is it possible that angels never even had one friend? Anyway, Luke hit the bronze to feed, and things were looking bad Till I decapitated someone with a symbol, which was red Whoa, oh, 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 welcome to the Hellmouth It's harvest time, welcome to the Hellmouth Cordelia died, welcome to the Hellmouth Thank God she made it and so did everybody else. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.